Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello. Oh, God. What was that? Hello. <laughs> and welcome to the Footballistically Arsenal podcast. Hello and welcome to the Footballistically Arsenal podcast. I am joined. I'm Boyd Hilton. I've lost it already. You've got to start again. I've got to start again. Hello and welcome to the Footballistically Arsenal podcast. I'm Boyd Hilton and I'm joined by sidekick Josh Landy. Hey, Boyd. What could be Sarah House? Thank you, Boyd. Terrific to be here. As always, as this ongoing wonderful run of form continues, this is a. Are you talking about the podcast a, or, or Arsenal? Arsenal. All oh, right, all right. Yeah, yeah. Arsenal. Yeah. yeah fair enough. Um, we are joined by one of our uh, treasured regulars, chocolate magnate, Ollie Shorts. Hi, Ollie. Hi, Boyd. Hi, Josh. Great to be here, as always. This must be a busy time for you because you've got Mother's Day coming up. Yeah, we had a Mother's Day email get sent out today um, for those looking for some chocolate. Got Easter coming up. Um, Easter, yeah. Busy, yeah, busy, busy time in, in, in the world of chocolate. So, uh, yeah, exciting, exciting indeed. What is your favourite chocolate, boys? Uh, do you know what I've started just recently, actually? Funny you should mention this, Josh. I've got into the caramel white chocolate world, you know, the caramac style um thing and i bought only this weekend i bought some of those buttons some cabris caramel milk i think they call them buttons and they're so are sweet far very too sweet, sweet. they me. are very sweet ollie you're right you're absolutely right but i've got a sweet tooth i should i should really do something about it but they are delicious at the same time um what's your favorite chocolate josh uh, i like a kit kat boys mm-hmm. yeah Good. What do they sell at Arsenal? Do you get in, in club level? Do you get a nicer range of chocolate yeah, than we get? Not downstairs? really. They sell fairly obvious. They sell but normal buttons. They sell yes. um, but- Maltesers. I don't, I don't think. Yeah, I think probably sell Maltesers. I, I think you yeah, can you, get you, they're, they're, they're big grab bags, aren't they? Grab bags. Yeah, they do a grab. Nestle bag. or Cadbury. Yeah. But disappointing that none of you mentioned seed and bean as your favourite chocolate. Seed and but, bean. You know what? I'm not going to hold any grudges. Seed and bean in general is a delicious chocolate. I've sampled many of their. What's your uh, Ollie? What's your favourite seed and bean flavour? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have a sweet tooth, so I go for the milk chocolate. But I can't do that. The the the, the Cadbury's caramel or whatever it was just oh, it's far too sicky for me but when i go for for my own bars i go for a sea salt and lime milk chocolate absolutely mm. delicious sea salt and lime oh yeah the lime just adds that little bit Excellent. of je ne quoi. that sounds good that sounds good and what is the best would you say easter egg offering coming up in the in the seed and bean range well i wish we did an easter egg boy but we don't i'm don't do an easter egg we don't do an easter egg we stuffle you yeah, it's just too hard to oh. to, to do a, an Easter egg. Um, Bloody hell! Okay. Yeah, I know. We've I've we've looked into it. It's just um, it's just you know what? It's not easy to package chocolate these days. I can tell you that. 
Um, I won't get into the world of Brexit and every all the complications, but um, oh, yeah, Brexit. we're just sticking we're just sticking to bars this year. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, we should probably talk uh, about Arsenal. Let's move on to Arsenal. Um, we were all there. Were you there yesterday, Josh? The uh, yeah, absolutely excellent. Yeah. Yes, good. I swore off. Ollie, were you there? Yeah, I was there. Yeah, excellent. Indeed. I'm very proud of myself because I was invited to the Baftas. Uh, which were at the same time. Did I mention this last week? <laughs> well, no, but I was intrigued because I saw on your Instagram you you wrote Baftas Schmafters. Yes, yes. Yeah, so so what very, happened? I, uh, I I was very kindly offered a, a ticket to the Baftas a couple of days before. What do you mean, very kindly? You're a massive hitter in that it's television. No, yeah, but well, boy, if anyone should the be there, Baftas, you should though. be. Yeah, I go to the TV BAFTAs every year. The film BAFTAs is more of an occasional thing for me because that, you know, film... I mean, we cover film, obviously, in my magazine, but um, I don't get as invited as often as I, as as that. But I did get a very kind offer from Prime Video to go to the uh, BAFTAs, and I snubbed it in favour of going to the football. I just thought, look, you know, this is I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep loyal to, to the team. I am on Wednesday. I can say this, though. We will get on to the, the game yesterday. But on Wednesday, I'm going to the Liverpool game as a guest of Prime Video. So I'm quite excited. Wow. Yeah. Where will you be sat for this? Is it a box situation? Yeah, it's in a box. But I think the, I think maybe, I'm not 100% sure, but I think some of the producers or or people working on the documentary series, the um, All or Nothing documentary series about Arsenal will be there, will be in attendance. I think it's, so it's kind of built around that. Amazon Prime inviting me because, you know, they're filming the documentary and they want to, you know, give me an update on what's happening. and Great. That's exciting. Yeah. You, have you got a plus one for that, Boyd, or is that very much an individual invite? It's an inv- individual, I'm afraid. Yeah. Interesting. I was obviously yeah. snubbed, snubbed for that one. Snubbed. But what a game, what a performance yesterday, Ollie, um, against Leicester. What was your favourite thing about the victory? How, I mean, I, I remember before the game, I was like, I just thought to myself, please let this be a simple victory where I just wasn't nervous and I just didn't really get nervous at any point during the game apart from when I think when when Ramsdale made the save other than that it was just a joy to kind of watch Arsenal and be confident that a Leicester weren't scoring and they didn't look like they were and we just looked very comfortable it was different to the Watford game because yeah. I felt that Watford could score at any given opportunity and I, w- I thought that two goals wasn't going to be enough I thought we needed to get a third um, to have that three goal buffer but um, against Leicester it was the complete opposite it was just it was just a joy really it was though you know score early in the first half score early in the second half we just looked so comfortable on the ball and defensively it was just it was just a pleasure to be there yesterday. Mm. Um, it was, wasn't it, Josh? And I think, like, Leicester were not very good. And they didn't have Jamie Vardy, who's been one of our, you know, he always seems to score against us. And they were, I thought, incredibly ineffective, ineffectual, ineffective um, as an attacking force. They had more of the, they had more of a possession, didn't they, I think? Um, extraordinarily, really. Um yeah, they had 54% possession. We had 46% possession. Um, but they were very... They didn't really threaten, apart from that 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 one, that the, the incredible save um, that we made. And which, by the way, I was surprised. I, I watched it back, obviously, as I do on Sky afterwards. I don't know if you have. Um, Ramsdale's um, wonder save. It was Alan Smith on co-commentary. I've mentioned my Alan Smith issues before. He played it down. He was really quite downbeat about it. He was like, well, I mean, you'd expect him to save that, he said at one point. Look, everyone else is going absolutely bonkers about it, including um, Brendan Rogers, who could not believe, that, basically thought it had gone in and then, you know, that bit where he was looking at the camera, could not believe that it had been saved. So, um, Leicester were a bit shit, weren't they? Surprisingly shit. But, we have to, I think we have to focus on the fact that Arsenal were, as Ollie says, just controlled it so brilliantly, pretty much from start to finish for the occasional moment when they, you know, they had possession. Yeah, I, I took a Leicester City fan to the game, mm. uh, which is an unusual experience to, to, to take someone from the opposition team um, with you. And he was incredibly pessimistic before the game started, oh. just about how inconsistent Leicester have been that really the only focus left in their season is is Europe 
and it's you know it's the Europa Conference League. It's not even the Europa League. They left it at the moment. Now, really, that's the opportunity for them to do something this season. And there were, I think, four changes made from that team from Thursday just gone because they've obviously got the second leg coming up this Thursday. And that surprised me a little bit that that he was so pessimistic. But within 10 minutes, you could sort of understand why. I mean, we, we absolutely flew with them. I couldn't believe how ineffective Leicester were. I remember going to the away game at, at Leicester earlier in the season, and we also won 2-0. But it was a much more competitive performance, especially second half. You mentioned Ramsdale's save in, in this game, but we will probably come the end of the season remember that the save from the free kick in the yeah. game away at Leicester much more. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Leicester were really disappointing. Okay, I mean, obviously not disappointing to us, but I think probably to, to neutrals watching. And they've had a huge problem from set pieces all season. Mm. The, the amount of goals they've conceded is an extraordinary almost anomaly on the, on the whole Premier League. So, you know, it wasn't too much of a surprise that we made them pay in that regard. And then it was lovely to see what Arteta had been talking about with Partey's increasing competence with his shooting and he came so close and and hit the bar. And then, yeah, apart from maybe a 10-minute period in the first half where, you know, Leicester showed a bit of fight, it, yeah, I never felt like we were not, not going to win the game. And, uh, yeah, it was about as comfortable as a 2-0 a win can go. And it's bonkers if you look at our form. 1-9, drawn one, lost one of the last... 11 Premier League games that is beyond title winning mm. form that we found ourselves in and you can't just yeah, look got- at the teams we played and ignore it because we played over half of the teams in the league and in a season where there's been inconsistency left right and centre from everyone apart from Man City and Liverpool so yeah just another brilliant day and can only give more confidence ahead of Wednesday I the favourite the favourite thing for me about the whole um, performance was um, the Thomas Party, Martin Odegaard axis in the middle. Um, they were both, I thought, was one of Party's best. I mean, he's been playing really well in the last few weeks, but I thought that was one of his best, if not his best game for Arsenal. I thought he was incredible. And Odegaard, I mean, talk about, right, first of all, Dan Baldwin in, in the WhatsApp group. I mean, he has admitted, first of all, he, he doesn't give me permission to read out his, um, his messages, I should make clear. So, um, you know, but I did read out his message last week, his extraordinary um, assessment of Odegaard. And I think he's still clinging to the bet that he thinks Odegaard will be will not be first choice regular in our midfield, in our team, in a year's time, in a year to 18 months' time. He thinks we'll have bought, we'll have, we'll have, um, we'll have stepped up and got someone better. I think he's on, on something. Um, because, but Odegaard yesterday was absolutely phenomenal. And at one point I thought, well, he's doing all these little flicks and tricks and um, he's finding, particularly brilliant at finding Saka and Martinelli and, and you know, Akazet. Absolutely fantastic. But I, so I thought I'd watch him for, you know, for like, a, you know, that period where you watch, just watch a player. I think it was when we were 2 0 after we were 2 0 up. And he's so worked so hard. He's like, goes back. You see him in that, you know, just up front of our penalty area half the time. He starts the press pretty much constantly. He's the first one who's pressing their, their defense when, they, when they're trying to play it out from the back. He's fine. He was, he never, he doesn't pass it back at all anymore. I mentioned, I mentioned this like every week now, but the transformation, Ollie, from, you know, nine months to a year ago when we were the passing back and sideways team, you know, from hell. Now it's unbelievable. And I think that that impetus comes from him. He will not pass it back. He's constantly, and some of his, some of his like diagonal balls were absolutely fantastic finding, finding players, you know, 10, 15 feet ahead of him. So I think he's just been a revelation, Ollie. Yeah, he's been, I mean, he sees passes that, you know, no one sees on the pitch. I remember there was that, that pass in the in the first half, I think it was, um, to to Saka, where he just, I don't know, he, I didn't even see Saka coming and he just he just knew where he was and he's just linking up so well with, with everybody and it's just the team are clicking. I don't think it's just him, it's it's everybody kind of knows what exactly yeah. what they need to do. Yeah. And everybody knows, right, Saka knows I'm going to be in this position. Martin's going to be in this position. You know, Thomas will be over here. And, you know, whether it's Martinelli or, or Smith Rowe, 
everybody knows where where they're going to be. And, you know, they always talk about confidence. You know, we are so confident at the moment. Um, I don't want to get into sort of the, the overconfidence thing because we've got two very, very tricky games um, yeah. coming up. But it's a great time to play Liverpool from, from our standpoint because we just, we look like we can take on some of the better teams like we did against Man City. But everybody at the moment, and I'm trying to keep my feet firmly on the ground, mm. is is playing at their peak. And as long as we can keep that up and that momentum, then, you know, fourth, as, as we, as we, as we know, it's ours to, to lose. We know that. Um, I think people look at the league table and say three games in hand, um, but the three games in hand we know are, you know, most likely going to bear one or two points if on a good day. Um, so we just need to, we need to keep on winning. And, and as long as, you know, the players, continue doing what they're doing and they just seem they, it just seems to be working and clicking like it wasn't at the beginning of the season like it wasn't clicking you know the last season it's just it's now all coming together um well i don't think it's clicked like this, i don't think it's clicked like this for like five six seven years i mean I, I think it's that you know that much of a transformation i don't think it wasn't clicking like this in the last few years of us under us and venger uh, you know. we, we had moments I, I, we always have moments yeah. where we put runs together we, we, I think there's always been that yeah. you know when you had we, we always had we had that run at the beginning with Emery and then we also had I think you know when we all thought Arteta had lost it suddenly we went on like a six or seven uh, match um, spree where we didn't lose and then it all went down the drain and then we somehow crawled it back and we thought, oh, maybe there's a chance we can get into Europe because we beat Chelsea and we beat, you know, they always, they always crawl it back a little bit, you know, just when you think we've lost it, they they bring you back in. But at the moment, as Josh said, you know, 11 games, nine wins, brilliant. But that, that period under Emery, for example, we never played football like this. Like, you know, and I think that's the difference. Yeah, we've had, you're right. We've had, we put runs together in late, late Wenger period. We put runs together and we finish seasons quite strongly sometimes, sometimes, not in the last couple of seasons, whatever. But this feels different to me. This feels like, you know, the fucking project, the Arteta way is bearing remarkable fruition. I am getting slightly carried away. I do, I do realize that. But, I think he deserves an incredible amount of credit. And I feel like someone, someone tweeted me, I tweeted, you know, how I thought we'd done it. He's doing an extraordinary job. And someone tweeted me a collection of my past tweets where I was slagging him off. And I said, yeah, I mean, of course I did. Every, you know, it's not, it's no secret. I was slagging him off when we were playing shit, but you know, I think that's, that's what happens now. I've got to enjoy it. Don't you? You've got to enjoy, enjoy, it. enjoy these moments. Like Absolutely. these moments haven't come, yeah. haven't come about for us for the last however many years. Right uh, in the league, and I know we've had our cut runs, but you've got to enjoy the the, the moment where you've you've won nine games out of eleven, and you eat, the game where we you lost. Even then, you're like, we didn't even deserve it. It mm. doesn't come around that often. Yeah, and, and just and the way you've got to enjoy it. But it's the way we're playing as well. That's that's the that's the incredible thing. I've, you know, I think we're playing delightful attacking football. I just watched J- Jamie Carragher's score just before we started the recording. Jamie Carragher did the opening 10, 15 minutes of Monday Night Football on Arsenal. And he, he was literally, all his points were that we're the new Man City. So I'm talking about getting carried away. He was basically, I mean, it's a, it's a slightly obvious point to make. Obviously, Arteta trained under Pep. But I know what he means in that the way, and you were mentioned, talking about this, Ollie, the way the players know where each other are almost telepathically and the way they're moving en masse in, in forward movement, there's like five, the five attacking players always, they're either in the penalty or on the edge of the penalty area. And they're all finding each other with, with fantastic balls. Um, Jamie Carragher is getting a bit carried away. So Josh, my question to you is, do you see the story today saying PSG? I mean, PSG are obviously going to sack Pochettino after their humiliating exit from the Champions League. And in the top three betting is Arteta. You know, and why wouldn't they go for Arteta? I mean, particularly because on top of how well he's got us playing and all of that, his USP, I think, is his approach to discipline, team discipline. He's shown he will not let the egomaniacal stars get away with anything. And isn't that exactly what PSG needs right now? So I wouldn't be at all surprised if they came for him, which leads me to ask, should we sign him up quickly for a new contract and not wait till the summer. There's a lot to unravel there. 
I would say. Firstly, yes, Arteta deserves huge praise for the job that has been done. If you can go on this kind of run in the Premier League, when you're not Man City or Liverpool, I think that, you know, it's a really impressive effort and to be applauded. There is a part of this, which is there are still 12 games to go and we haven't done it yet. And has he achieved something, you know, to be, you know, praised unconditionally until we come forth? I'm not sure he has, right? So we, we still need to to do the job. And I think we probably now that run of form has, you know, of late has convinced me that we we can and will and we're, we're favourites to do it and we should be pleased that we are favourites to go and do it. Why on earth will he leave to go to PSG like right now? I mean, it's he has been given the keys to do what he wants at Arsenal. He has been able to kick out the most highly paid biggest name player at the club in a way that has shown huge faith from, from those involved. He has been allowed to get rid of all the players that he deemed surplus to requirements. He has invested in young players. I just think I cannot envisage a situation where, where he leaves like coming up soon. Um, if he comes forth, should he be rewarded with a, a better improved deal? Yeah. I think there's every, every argument that he would be in a strong position to, to go and call for that because we're probably a year or two ahead of schedule in terms of what could have realistically been expected. Bringing in six players like we did in the summer, could they all have been expected to bed in as well as they have and create a way that we could go to, to finish in the top four you know, we only have to look back. We were we were not favourites for the top four. So, I don't know. I, I would be waiting to the end of a season to talk about new deals. And uh, look, I'm, there's, there's players that we need to worry about new deals as well for the summer or not. You're going to owe a lot of people a lot of money when Lacazette doesn't sign his new deal for a start board. You're going to owe me a lot of money when Lacazette does sign his new deal. Well, it's 20 quid, I think we agreed. But you've probably had that bet uh, with getting, 20 people. He's getting 180k a week. If they offer him like a one-year contract, why would he turn that down? Who? Where else is he going to get 180k a week? Where else is he going to get the respect, love, and admiration? He's a free transfer. Don't underestimate what being a free transfer is in this day and age to go and negotiate your pay package. Look at William. He went to for how how much were we paying him a week? I don't remember. No, oh, but, but he was because he was a free transfer, right? But he was a complete fucking loser, though. But whereas you know, whereas um, <laughs> I think he left Chelsea as a as great a to. <laughs> Great to see him take his penalty so Great well. Great to see him take his penalty. And hilarious to see Schmeichel, Kasper Schmeichel, so angry with him for I mean, he didn't stop for, you know, for slowing down brilliantly and then and then and then and shooting so so fantastically. And he was also annoyed about the penalty award anyway. And he and he and he wasn't on his line either. The whole the whole, the whole penalty snog. I mean, that was one of the longest um VAR decision moments I th- I think I think I've seen at certainly at the Emirates. It took fucking ages, didn't it, Ollie? I mean it was it was absolutely Extraordinary, and that that did make the arrival of the decision even more satisfying. But what was odd was why it took so long. Mm. It was it looked pretty clear cut to me. I don't even don't even know why they gave the the ref the opportunity to say no. Um, it, it, you know, you see you see them so many times and say, "Yeah, that's a handball. We're not even going to go to the screen. Just give the give the penalty, move on." And I don't know, I don't know why they what why they even went to the screen and why it took so long to even make that judgment um but that's just far for you isn't it it's, it's it's sometimes so ridiculous um how how they, how long they take drawing lines handballs and whatnot it's uh it, it, it was semi-enjoyable um <laughs> but I, I i i don't i'm not a fan at the moment of how long these things things take oh no it's ridiculous but if, if it is you know it, it was it was the first satisfying VAR moment for us for such a long time. I feel we have to like revel in it that, especially because it was the other end from me because they fucking, because Leicester switched it, didn't they? On, on the, on the, um, they won the, 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 the coin toss and they forced us to attack the wrong end. So it meant that where I sit, which is closer to the North bank end, we didn't see, you know, we just couldn't see what the fuck was going on with that penalty. So I don't think anyone did. The players no. didn't even appeal, did they? I think um, one player appealed, didn't he? Was Odegaard, I think, saw it? Um, I think he was the one who did appeal. 
Um, which in reinforcing his uh, future captain status by noticing these things. Um, <laughs> but it was, it does underline, doesn't it, Josh? That, I mean, the amount of time it took, it, it did feel like there were, almost felt like there was, oh, we've got to give Arsenal something. It's really, the reluctance yeah. was unbelievable. The longer it goes on, the more you are likely, I think, to get a decision in your favour. If you got to look and look and look, and then obviously, as soon as a referee is asked to go over, you know it's it's coming, and you get you're going to get the decision. So, yeah, it was a it was a slightly tricky one, I guess, a, a slightly unusual one. Uh, but yeah, it, should, it was a bit of a surprise that it took that long. But yeah. Uh, a delight because the, yeah, it killed the game. Yeah, did you see? Before we we'll go to the break in a sec, but did you see? Did either of you see the Jurgen Klopp um, press conference where he talked about clear and obvious? The problem with those words, clear and obvious, in, in when it comes to VR, he was it was really good. He he was saying how um, the phrase has become the problem with VAR because and and it was a good example, kind of that 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 handball yesterday because referees. In, and there was that unbelievable Chelsea Chelsea non penalty given, wasn't it? Which was you know like the exact mirroring of a of a Xhaka incident where we did we got penalty against us because Xhaka grabbed the shirt and he brought him down. It was a very similar moment in the Chelsea game. Anyway, Klopp was saying that because these three words, because referees ha- are told that there has to be a clear and obvious mistake, that they're making all kinds of decisions. Like they won't make a decision because they know VAR is going to show them what really happened sometimes when it comes to things like penalties, controversial moments. Even if they see it, they won't trust their judgment because they think, oh, well, I can let it go to VAR and they'll tell me. But then VAR goes, well, it's not clear and obvious mistake by the ref. So, you know, the refs, it's like, it's complete nightmare. It's a completely illogical Kafkaesque nightmare. My, my interpretation of the clear and obvious, though, is kind of if the ref gives it, and it's not clear and obvious that it's not the pen. They'll go with the ref. And if it's the other way around and the ref doesn't give it, yeah. I, I, think they, I, I kind of think they, they always go with what the ref the ref decides. And if the, what the ref decides is clearly and obviously not the correct decision, then it will, yeah, you're will, right. will go. And, and, and I think that sometimes when, the, when, when there can be a penalty and you're a little bit like touch and go, a little bit like the Chelsea one, because the ref, didn't give it. Yeah, they 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 stick with his decision. But if the ref did give it and they were to look at it, they'd say, "Well, it's still a penalty." So uh, you're think, right. It's about yeah. not embarrassing the ref. Effectively, it's about not overruling the ref. So yeah, exactly. If the ref had given the penalty for that in the in the Chelsea game, then of course they would have stuck with it. But they're too fucking lily livered and 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 can always stick, go with this clear and obvious banal three words to justify not awarding of the most fucking obvious penalty in the history of penalties in that game um against for Chelsea. So yeah anyway, it's just a, it's just an annoying thing. I thought but I thought Klopp was very articulate about it in his press conference. We will take a quick break and we'll talk more a little bit more about the game against Leicester and we'll look forward to the gigantic upcoming game against Liverpool. And we're back from the break. That was a very strange delivery that I went to the break with. I don't know what's happening. Falling apart, Josh. Um, what else to say about the uh, game? It was interesting that um, I was watching um, the match of the day coverage. I was listening to the radio coverage on my way back from the game. And um, one of the things that people said on the radio on Five Live, the um, whoever the pundit was, and the commentator, he said about Arsenal, they were talking about Arsenal finishing fourth. And they said, Arsenal haven't got any stars. Like, that, you know, it's, they've got this young team and it's like, you know, there are no big stars in it. And it's, so it's quite like, it's, it makes it even more exceptional that we're doing so well at the moment. And if we finish in the top four, it will be even more exceptional. But I guess for Arsenal fans, I feel like we do feel we've got stars because people like Saka, I mean, obviously, but Smith Rowe, I know he's not playing at the moment. Uh, Odegaard, these are, they're, they're, they're becoming stars for us, aren't they? That's And that, I think, but I think it's interesting that the outsiders for the club are almost like just about starting to notice us that we are playing really, really well and that we could well seal this fourth place. I'm with you, Boyd. I think we do have a couple of stars, don't we? I mean, Saka is 
a bright hope, not just for Arsenal, but for England. And he showed that in the summer with the faith that Southgate um, showed in him. Apart from that, there is there is possibly an argument. Maybe we're getting a little bit caught up in this sort of Odegaard period of, of, of sort of fantastic display after fantastic display. Um, but it, but in Saka, I think we have, uh, you know, an absolute, you know, England and an Arsenal star for, for many years to come. I guess you, you look across the rest of the pitch and you, you think even about the goalkeeper, he's not yet England's number one, although there is a hope that he could be come, come the summer. I think Tommy Yasu was probably not known to that many of us before, before his arrival. Ben White is someone who's on the fringes of an England squad. You know, Gabriel is, is not talked about in the same breadth of a Van Dyke or a, or a Matip or, you know, any of the top sort of centre-halves or a Thiago Silva. Um, you know, Kieran Tierney has come with, you know, huge excitement at different points this season, but is is not talked about in the way of a, you know, of some of the sort of best left backs in the world. So, you know, and I think that's probably sort of consistent across the pitch, but maybe that's even more to Arteta's credit that without having huge stars, he has formed a, a real unit of players. And you know who the team is going to be um, at the moment, every game pretty much, don't you? I think it's interesting. We'll come on to the Liverpool game in a second. Because for the first time in a while, we'll have three games in a week. And maybe you can't just send out the same 11 players or, or 10 of the same 11. So I wonder if there will be a, a few sort of changes to come in the in the upcoming sort of four or five days. But um, I bet there won't. I don't know. I, I'm sort of with you to an extent, boys. I think Saka is a superstar. Mm. I'm not sure I could give superstar status to anyone else. Okay. Uh, I don't think he'll change the team, Ollie. Do you think he'll change for, for, for the Liverpool game? Well, I think it depends on on Tommy Asu, Really, he doesn't right. he? He doesn't want to rush him back. And is he going to say, Cedric, play the next two games, um, and then I'll bring back Tommy Asu for for Palace because you've got the international break? Or is he going to potentially say, right, he's got one game in him, then I'll play him against Liverpool, and Cedric can play against uh, against Villa. But other than that. You know, Martinelli, Smith Rowe, that's potentially it. Um, you know, pick one of them. The team picks itself. But the, prob- the the big problem is that I don't think you can look at our bench and say, apart from Saka, uh, not Saka, Smith Rowe and Martinelli, there, there's no one, you, you can't trust anyone. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't trust Pepe. Um, I definitely can't trust Enketia to come in. Mm. The only obvious one is is, is Tommy Asu. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you know, you, you're literally every week. It's to me, it's the same team. But is it going to be Smith Rowe or is it going to be Martinelli? That's well, it. Is that fair? Because you could argue Cedric has come in and, and done a sort of solid, stable job in in Tommy Asu's absence, having been not really seen all season until he was sort of called upon. And I don't know, like. Would I be totally scared of Rob Holding coming in if there was a problem with one of his centre-backs? You know, you wouldn't be completely fearful. This is a player that's been at the club for a, a substantial period of time and, you know, has not, not hugely let us down at, at any point, I'd argue. So, you know, uh, you know, El Nenny as well has has had his moments sort of in, in now the Now you're stretching. Now you're stretching. Yeah. Well, Josh, I'm just Josh, saying it's not, like a, it's not like there's nothing off the bench in it. No, it's, no, but I think Ollie's point is... Players that can, are not a complete problem but i think on his point is and I, and I agree with him that you wouldn't change it would you um at all the only change the, unless it was enforced but the only change you'd make really in this run is i agree is to think about bringing in smith Rowe instead of martinelli why would you want to change the rest when the whole team is functioning so well i guess is the, is the thing whereas smith Rowe coming in for martinelli is like a like for like you wouldn't have to change anything about tactically whereas i think if even Tommy Asu coming in. I mean, Cedric has done really well. I agree with you, but it's just Tommy Asu is proven to be a kind of outstanding buy, isn't he? An outstanding little presence in that. In I that just world. mean to go with the same team Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday. I, I don't know if they're all up to it. Yeah. They're brilliant international yeah, I, break coming so a Josh, few of them are going to play three more games in a very short space of time. I just wonder if he'll think about it for that Villa game, maybe. I, I think that the, the problem that I have, and, and you're right, Cedric has come in. And he's done a, a remarkably good job. 
but no one expected it. Mm. Like that's that's luck in that sense. He's definitely not good enough for, for Arsenal. Um, and you, we've seen it, you know, time and time again over the last couple of seasons when he when he's come in, he's just not up to the standard that we need. It's been a great three, four games for him. And I'm I'm shocked, and I think everyone else is pleasantly shocked of how well he has done. And and I think I look at the Wolves away game, the the, the one nil the one nil win. I thought he was fantastic. Um, and you know, long may that continue. But it's I don't I don't look back at it and think, oh, you know, great, we've got Cedric to come in. If Tommy Ass is injured, I'm like, oh shit, we've got Cedric to come in. And thank God he's performed well. Yeah, I agree. And and also, I, I, I think, I just think Tommy Yasu coming in is even more of a boost. Like if he came in, even if he came in in the Liverpool game, and, I, and, I, and I'm sure you're right, Arteta will be cautious about bringing him back for such a big game. But you think, oh, that really is our first 11, you know, a, 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 the strongest 11 you could have, apart from whether it's Smith-Rowe or Martinelli. And I, and I thought Martinelli had a great, everyone played so well against Leicester, but I still think Smith-Rowe is like, our Lord and Savior, and should be in the team probably. Um, would you ta- what, uh, let me ask you this though? Tactically against Liverpool, do you think we should? Because obviously, the temptation, I guess, is to change things to accommodate the fact we're playing probably the best team, if not the second best team in the country slash Europe slash the world right now. Do we change our tactics, or do we? You know, we're at home. Do we go for them in the way that we've been going for teams? In the last in in this run, do we do we kind of play more cautiously? Do you know what I mean? What would you do, Josh? What do you think Arteta will do? Well, if it's the same team, I, I'm not I'm not sure there's going to be you know a hugely different um, approach that we see. I think, of course, it was a league cup and there were some changes, and it was all against a, a backdrop of of Arsenal having gone to Anfield and drawn nil nil and perhaps we got overexcited about that performance that night where we, it could have gone very differently. And who was it? Minamino missed from about a yard out. Um, but in that second leg, Liverpool absolutely, you know, blew us away. And, you know, by the time party got sent off 20 minutes after landing back at Heathrow, whatever it was, you know, it didn't, didn't really make a difference, did it? So um, I think we have to be uh, a little bit, more cautious than than we perhaps have been because I've just been praising Cedric, but you you did worry about you know the, that Liverpool front three whoever whoever's playing and maybe you know argue against Tierney a little little bit as well that you just think they are going to get opportunities they're going to get in behind we're going to have to dig in and I think the mentality has to be sort of respectful of the fact that we're going against an extraordinary Liverpool team who. You know, I mean, right now we'd all snap your hand off for a draw, wouldn't we, Boyd? You'd grab yeah. a draw every day of the week at the moment, even with the form we're in, which I think is exactly the same form Liverpool are in. I think over the last eleven games. Yes, yes. Well, we're now both five wins in a row, aren't we, us and Liverpool? Um, what, what about you, Ollie? Do you think he'll tamper with it at all? Do you think he'll be more cautious? I don't know because I look at the Man City game at the beginning of the year. And if you were to say, right, how do we approach this game? I wouldn't have approached it the way that we did. You know, we came out and we yeah. we, we we went for them. Um, and I think when we kind of do give teams a little bit of respect, um, I think it can go against you. I, I think I would personally say we've got to we've got to go for them. Like West Ham went went for them um, only yeah. a couple of a uh, couple of weeks ago. And Liverpool, although they, I think they've wrapped up and. In, 10 wins in a row or something crazy like that. Um, but they haven't, they haven't been as defensively solid. Um, even though they've been keeping the clean sheets, it's been more out of poor finishing. Um, you know, Brighton had a fantastic chance to make it one, one early in the second half. And, uh, West Ham missed a hat full of chances, um, to, to even go ahead in the game and to equalize. So, you know, they, if you, if you go at them, there, there are opportunities there, uh, but we're going to have to play out of our skins and luck has got to be on our side. And luck wasn't on our side against Man City on, on mm. New Year's Day. And, and you just hope and pray that something fortunate 
you know, happens that, you know, like Minamino missing from a yard, you know, that was fortunate when we in the League Cup um, first leg, you know, is Salah just going to have that off day? You know, we need something like that to 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 go our way and and play out of our skins. But you, I, I think we've got to go for it. Yeah, I think I agree. I think we should. I think he's got to st- stick with this team roughly and stick with you know the way we've been playing. Um, they're so confident, and you know we've we've been through it. And I think to change it at all, to do one, to do a kind of some kind of great tactical change that he. Uh, I really hope he doesn't do that. I really hope he just sticks playing on just playing on the front. But, foot. but it's interesting that we say no. Sorry, it's interesting yeah. we say that we, we go for it. Like, remember the, like the Wenger days when we like when we go against like these Liverpool, like the, the Man Cities and not Liverpool back in the Wenger days. But we always say like, oh, we've got to come out with a different way to to approach these big these big games. Yes. And now and now we're saying, yeah. well, let's just let's just go, let's just go for it. Um, which is yeah, quite an interesting way to look at it. Oh, definitely. But the difference is, right, for me, is that those those performances against the, the, the Wenger way was just to send them out and say, you know, do what you do. Whereas what Ateta's done is finally hone week in, week out, game in, game out, this group of players, this group of players to play and a very precise kind of, you know, as we've as we said, exciting way and I'll t- and Wenger wasn't doing that I mean you know I, I don't want to launch our discussion about it but let's just say be careful what you wish for well <laughs> be careful what you wish for now has come true on in quotes our side of that argument because we I think we're playing better football than we were in late Wenger period and we have a purpose and we have a structure and we have a style that's absolutely rigid clear for all to see I was going to say rigid it's rigid in the sense it's like free-flowing and creative but it's rigid in the sense all the players know what they're doing. In, in you know, in those late Wenger days when we used to lose four or five nil to every major team, all the all their big rivals, they were just sent out and just expected to do what they do. You know, and it's kind of there was no great. There was, there was just it was just hapless. You know, headless chickens. It's not like that now. That's the difference for me now. But I don't want to embroil you, Josh, particularly. You know, just, did you see though one Wenger thing? I, I was going to mention. Did you see his interview on Being Sport when he was asked by Richard Keyes? the legend about how Arsenal are doing at the moment. You see that and Wenger said made it made a, a, I would say pointed reference to how they're, they're spending more money now at Arsenal than they have since the whole, in, whole, whole Emirates period, basically implying that he didn't have enough money. And, and, and that was the problem. he had. Well, for many years, he unashamedly fronted up and, um, did his best with the resources he had, right? And, and knew that he was probably not going to be able to, you know, win titles without having the financial resource to go and compete with, you know, other teams, which, you know, what we're experiencing and seeing now, you know, with Chelsea and Abramovich had the uh, outcry at uh, the source of his wealth being in play 20 years ago. It is a really interesting, you know, sliding doors moment of what, what would have happened in this country with, with football. I mean, let's not forget who it was who, you know, took the title off Arsenal's Invincibles, you know, the, the following year. So it's, it is interesting, but and, uh, not so surprising a comment from uh, Wenger, I guess, to kind of fit with the uh, narrative that he has uh, religiously stuck to um, over yeah. the years. He did yeah. also talk about Ashley Cole. Did you see that clip? No, I didn't see that. Yes, he, he spoke kind of of his regret of Ashley Cole yeah. kind of being the one that actually improved when he left the club who shouldn't have, shouldn't have left. Um, and that it was, uh, you know a matter of only a few thousand pounds, he, he said. And and that was one of his big regrets of uh, of his time at Arsenal. I mean, yeah, I, I won't go, he definitely could have spent more money than he did. I mean, that's, 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 that's just a fact, but it is interesting. In terms of the, the Abramovich, wasn't Abramovich interested in Arsenal first, wasn't he? Isn't that right? I, I, I think for, if memory serves. And of course, then we had Osmanov, you know, the uh, other Russian oligarch who, was in a battle effectively for the soul of the club, wasn't he? And the, against Kroenke, and I believe David Dean was his was in charge of his bid, wasn't he? His that that group they're called Red and White that was trying to. I mean, there but for the grace of God, truly go we because I think if we'd been taken over by his month, we would be in the fucking shit like Chelsea right now. Yeah, I think there is a reality that now with you know with football fans, I don't know like but like 
do we expect like our Chelsea supporting friends to sort of turn their back on the clubs now? No, we, we yeah. don't. I think they're entitled yeah. to support their clubs. And I don't think I begrudge Newcastle fans at the moment for continuing to want to support their clubs, but it, it does make you pleased as an Arsenal fan that we're, we're not the ones in this sort of situation right now. Oh I, yeah. I, I'm not saying, so, I don't think fans, you don't turn away. It's not fans can't do anything about it. Yes. I mean, they can, they, you know, that, that's absolutely the case. We can't pick out, we re, I mean, you know, the, the system has to change, I think, where, you know, to find some way of allowing us to say and who does own the club. But but right now we can't. But I think, you know, when, when and they did Chelsea fans, the Chelsea, the, sm, the small minority, albeit thousands who were chanting Abramovich's name and all that, that is pitiful. And I find it, I find the defensive fans, I think it's interesting, you know, the fan, the Man City, Newcastle, Chelsea, very, very defensive fans who get annoyed when people in the media have a go at their owners for being, you know, part of a fascist dictatorship or, you know, or being close to Putin as Abramovich obviously was. Those fans, that, that's the fans. There's two types of fans in the situation: fans that are blindly support. I've, there's a Chelsea, there's a Chelsea fanzine guy who I've had run-ins with before, who was like, "This is a witch hunt against Abramovich. You know, it's a disgrace. Blah 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 blah. It's a conspiracy. Bullshit. You know, he has been a massive associate of Putin's, and it's what's what's happening to him right now is fine. And I will end my rants there. But there are fans who will, you know, hate. We're now furious about what's happened and blame Abramovich, and they're and quite rightly so. Anyway, Ollie, on to lighter things. What the fuck is going to happen in the game against Liverpool on Wednesday? Three straight into predictions. Yeah, unless you have anything to say about my um, uh, ownership rant at all. No, you've said it all eloquently, so I will leave it at that. Okay. Um, I, my, my, it's like your head over heart. My heart says that we can somehow get a slice of luck and, and win the game 1-0, but my head is saying that, that we're going to lose 2-0. Wow. So you're going for, we're going to lose 2-0? That's your official prediction? My official prediction is we're going to lose 2-0, yes. Okay. Josh? I know it's hard. It's hard, it's hard. to take. It's a tough one. Yeah, that is hard. I think Arsenal are going to draw the game, boys. I think we'll draw it one all, but it could be like feel like a victory around the Emirates Stadium. I, I can envisage, and I stand to be corrected horribly, but I can really envisage, a, you know, an impressive, gutsy performance that sees the players, you know, get, get a huge, huge credit and applause at the end and a point to keep this unbeaten run um, going that we, we're now on. I think would be a magnificent. I almost feel like avoiding defeat and I'll be fourth feels within, you know, within, within real grasp. What do you think, boy? I think that Diogo Jota has scored six goals in six games in all competitions yeah. against Arsenal. Um, I think that our midfield is going to face a real test from their staunch midfield the likes of which we haven't faced recently. And I do think we'll probably lose, but I think we'll heroically, I think we'll, I think they'll, we'll, you know, it'll be a heroic defeat. I don't think it's, a, it'll be a kind of defeat, you know, that we used to suffer. It's not going to be three, four, five nil. I think it'll be a, a one go. I think a two, one, I'm sure we'll score. If we win though, I'm saying if we win, I mean, that will be a gigantic, a huge, Huge. I'd be like, sign him up now, sign Arteta up now, you know, give him the keys to the kingdom of the, the Emirates, Islington. That will be a massive, because we're already a massive advance, but, you know, in every factual, statistical way, we're, we're a big advance on what we did last season. Um, but being Liverpool in this game will be a huge, gigantic thing if we do. So, but I don't think we'll lose. <laughs> so, <it's> a- <laughs> But thankfully, I don't think Yotta will probably be make the starting eleven. I think oh, really? you have, uh, I think you have the the, the new guys. Is Diaz? Is it? And uh, yeah, who's great? Mar- yeah, Mane and uh, Salah will probably be the front three. Okay. Um, so you, you might not see a, a Yotta goal, um, but I'm, <laughs> the problem is, I just I remember with the, the second leg, I just was like, oh, maybe we can go and get something, and they were just phenomenal. 
from yeah. start to finish. And and I just have a horrible feeling that it could just be one of those games that they kind of just control and you know, we make a little bit of an error and, and we're one nil down before we know it and, and it could just unravel um <laughs> too quickly. But you know, football is it's always hope. It's always hope. Yeah. Well, it's been an absolute joy. Uh, do you have anything else to say, Josh? I thought you were going to add something in the last minute. No, only that it's a nice note to end on, that we, we have hope. <laughs> and the atmosphere has been great at the Emirates, oh, hasn't it, of late? And brilliant. I suspect Wednesday nights um, will will be similar. I, I can I can feel this what, could be what one about, of the great Emirates. What about Emirates Saturday? Oh, yeah. yeah that is a, good a very point, good point. Ollie, thank God you're here. To yeah, I'm going up to Villa Park. There's another fucking game before the next podcast. Yeah, I'm going to Villa Park. I mean, in some ways, it's, I feel so much, if we can avoid defeat and keep momentum, I, you know, you, you feel like we can go to Villa Park and win. Liverpool come and, you know, comfortably beat us by a couple of goals and, and sort of the whole momentum is is gone. So it is a hard one to to predict. Um, and Villa have been a little bit Jekyll and Hyde of, of late, having been on a good run and then you know, had uh, had a recent defeat. So um, I'm going to say Arsenal can edge that one, 2-1, just so we have a prediction in the can. We have that. Oliver, a quick can. prediction? 1-0 Arsenal. Nervy, 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 nervy 1-0. Boyd still um, refused to, to come with, so what's your prediction? Yeah, um, I'm going to go for a victory. I'm going to go for a sweet, sweet, Nearly Mother's Day, but not quite victory. Um, 2 1 to Arsenal Brilliant. at Villa. Come on, the Arsenal. Come on, the Arsenal. Thanks so much, Ollie, for remi- a, reminding us, you know, for all your contribution, and reminding us we had to do a prediction for the Villa game as well. well. I know the predictions are the most important part of this podcast. So. I'm, I'm looking forward to, Josh wants to wrap up, but I'm looking forward to tasting the sea salt and lime milk chocolate from. Uh, Bean and what's it called again? Bean, seed and bean, seed and bean, bean and seed. Come on, boy, come on, yeah, I'll have to get you some. Ollie, yeah, send out some complimentary chocolate to uh, to Boyd. Come on, he's done it before. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, but desperately asking for it. But yeah, thank you. Been a while though. Come on, it's been new a new box. Yeah, I think, I think, I think it's old packaging. Boyd might have had it's that long ago. Oh, but we'll get you some. We'll get you some. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Thank you. Right. Well, boys, so we'll be back after those two games when we'll then have a bit of a break. So we're hopefully, hopefully we're still feeling as enthusiastic and positive. Two huge games. Yeah. Thank you very much. See you next week. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.